smarter than scholars with perfect point average markers and I'm stepping in slick back dreads on Cardi shit pimping like I'm slick back in boonies rocking bitches again willing to game the cat against you on my card just so she can go and take a shopping trip I think you must have gotten me mistaken for some other trick and trip baby please keep a nigga six feet distance in she just dying to socialize and she see how sick the boy is still couldn't be stopped for shit when the virus hit couldn't step in my lane if we had the same shoe fit niggas trying to be like me but look bogus need all y'all to die just like covid i'm so in my mind for real 06 niggas say they hate 12 why the fuck you telling out of jail free still got a seat saved in hell kid i can smell the pussy in a nigga like a shellfish cutting niggas off and better for my health shit keep the pie all to myself i'm so selfish share a slice with the love of your life to be insulting let her lick the balls on some cherry on top shit she gonna top it all like cupcakes with some frosting as i crack a boot back i'm so stone cold i'm steve austin awesome awesome What's up and welcome to Rider on the Run. My name is Bilal Muhammad. Today I'm in the studio with Kira Miles, one of my good friends who I've known for a while now. Yet it feels as if I'm forever getting to know him as he's full of talents, wisdoms, and surprises that seem to never really end. Kieran, like a lot of us, can be placed into various categories for his work and involvement. So instead of any titles or setting any expectations, I think it's safe to say that Kieran is just that nigga in all aspects, which I think will easily be made clear with this episode. I'm very lucky to have my guy in the studio today, in his studio, as a matter of fact. So without further ado, Kieran, welcome to Rider on the Run. Thank you for having me, bro. Of course. As you know, we open up the podcast with a little segment I call Tell me about the fit. <laughs> <laughs> so what you wearing in the studio today? Um, today in the studio, I'm wearing a sweatshirt that I thrifted this morning for $3. Um, thrift stores are open? Yeah, bro. It, <laughs> it, the PH ones. Um, yeah. yeah, I went to a disabled American veterans thrift store. The, okay. The best one in all of San Diego. Damn hopped in like i was there like it was a damn supreme line <laughs> i was there before doors were open <laughs> and i just enjoyed the feeling of like walking throughout the store and i'm the only person other than the workers in there yeah. and just like getting to get a feel for everything mm-hmm. before anyone else does um walked in saw this hoodie it's like a weird I thought it was mauve, the color. I tried to look it up on Google. Turns out mauve is like a f- faded purple. Yeah. But this is a, um, I guess, magenta color. And Weird. Yeah, okay. I've never been one for like bright colors, yeah. but this one just like really spoke to me. It's a nice fit. Hits. Uh, the pants, they look like they're some kind of technical, like, patagonia sort of thing yeah. but i'm not even gonna front i got these from target <laughs> they're they're wranglers and Damn. they're they're called all can or no all terrain that's condition crazy. or gear all terrain gear pants and they're like i think 30 bucks at okay. target okay. shouts out to target uh get the men's section a little better <laughs> you know holla at your boy if you need some some work 
And then I'm not going to front. I don't really want to reveal the shoes because I don't want anybody to feel like I'm trying to shit on them. So we could just uh, okay, move so past that. You kind of <laughs> did shit on them just by saying that. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some things I like oh, to keep man. quiet. I don't oh, like yeah. niggas to think that uh, I'm tryable. <laughs> okay. Feels good to be back working, doesn't it? Bro, it feels amazing. Yeah. Y'all done got a whole ass studio. Honestly. In the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's in, it's really wild how that came together. And, you know, in the midst of, of a pandemic, no less. Yeah. Already, I feel like opening up a studio is stressful or, like, not a very shot off the hip yeah. situation to get yourself into but it seems but as if that's it's kind of just fell into place it honestly like n no exaggeration just yeah. fell into place in the span of a week mm -hmm. maybe two yeah i remember you got you hit me up i, I just did. get a text you're like yo you're trying to get on get in on this studio yeah and i was like i kind of have some you know obligations right, already right. that i thought were gonna pan out and i was like i don't know you know mm -hmm. if i'm ready for that i don't know if Y'all gonna go through with it, you no, know? I completely, like, yeah, I completely understand. I mean, at least not that quick. You feel yeah. me? Because I know we were all talking about trying to figure out: Do we want to do a studio? Do we want to get a house and live together? Mm. But I learned over time, like trying to do the home, trying to live. Basically, like I know, I'll just throw it out. Uh, we wanted to do like a Brockhampton situation where we all live together mm -hmm. and work out of the house together. That's a whole lot. But I could, yeah, in my head, it sounded and seemed so much better. And then I f figured out that like, oh, this is not really all that it's cracked out to yeah. be. Unless um, you got a million dollars set to exactly. you know, separate um, the house. Unless you have like a studio budget yeah. and you're not like struggling and working mm -hmm. day jobs with yeah, each other. Thanks. Like doesn't really work as, as well as mm -hmm. you would hope. And, um, yeah, I just remember finding this space, and it was like a damn call to arms <laughs> with all the <laughs> homies. I was like, "Yo, we got moves to make. We got we got art to do. Yeah. Who's in? If you're in right now, cool. If you're not, you will be. Like <laughs> it was never like this whole situation was never uh me thinking like oh." If you not in right now on the ground course, floor, you bro. will never be a part of it. Like, no, nah, like <laughs> I totally understood. Like, it's a money situation. It's yeah. a comfortability situation. It was hasty as hell. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even think that it was going to move this yeah. fast. But it did. Yeah. And here we are. And Real quick, for people who may not know you, can you describe yourself in terms of however you please? Um, I'm not going to front. I've never been that good at describing myself because yeah. I try not to think of me mm -hmm. as much as I think of like what I'm doing. I'm like, I've always had a problem with like defining myself by what I do, because at the end of the day, it's like. I'm going to sound like a wild, pretentious asshole, but, like, if you take away, like, say, LeBron James, yeah. 
if you took basketball out of LeBron James's life, like, can you describe him after that? Like, you take away his family, can you describe him after that? Mm-hmm. Like, at the bare, at the core of it, like, to identify oneself is a very difficult thing to do because, like, one day I might stop doing what I'm doing, and it's yeah. like, but to be ever changing, but that's. I guess what my label is yeah. is just ever changing. Say that because I I can never pin something down for too long, mm-hmm. and if I do, like I usually have ten other things behind it, and I'm yeah. just rotating them. I, I think know. that's the perfect answer, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else could top that because that's usually where my head is at when I ask that question. I want to see what people are gonna say. Yeah, you know, because it could easily go, you know the work route where they talk about what they do. Right. Because I'm not asking you what you do. I'm exactly. asking you to describe yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So you could do that or you could be like, you know, I'm a very, you know, curious, you yeah. know, charismatic individual, this and that. But that's, I guess that's the answer that I didn't know. I'm I was just, waiting to hear. I'm just somebody who does, who sets out to do what he wants. Say that. At the end of the day. Yep. Yep. And I know, to whoever's listening that might be wild confusing and you're like i still don't know what he does yeah okay well just pay attention yeah, and we'll you get might. Into it. i think yeah something like i was i want to talk about was how somewhere you and i and you know casey and you know all the people we're around pretty much mm-hmm. kind of align is that we're not people that say no to anything that we want to do right like or or shut it down because of any reasons like you know, we don't have the means or we don't think we're capable of doing it or it's going to be too much work. And, like, it's easy to say, it's easy to say, like, anybody could do that. Yeah. But the reality is not everybody could do that. It's and, like, I kind of, I, I wanted to ask you, like, why do you think we're able to do it? And, or, like, we're, we we're, we acquired such a trait, if that makes sense. Um. Or like, was there anything that specifically... I would say I think about this a lot, actually, because this is going to (laughs) sound wild, but I remember a time before Tyler, the creator, where my mind was just so enclosed of like what I could possibly do, where um, growing up all I really did was play sports. Like I did not touch a piano key or a camera or anything artistic. Like I might've doodled in class for fun. Um, I would write verses in my notebooks because I'm bored and like, I didn't really care for what the teacher was talking about unless it was Mm -hmm. like English. But as far as like believing in myself or like pursuing something artistically for the sake of like, yo, I can do this. I was really only, I thought I was limited to sports, which is crazy looking back on it because I realized like I spent 18 years of my life, like not playing any instruments, not, wow, not e- like, I sure. Didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I did not, it wasn't until after I graduated high school that I even like got my first laptop, downloaded Logic, and was like, yo, I could actually make beats. And it was because like seeing Tyler and like all the whole 
golf wang odd future shit i was like oh wait what like yeah you mean i can go out and just like buy things if i <laughs> save my money <laughs> like because like growing up you would see rappers and like you just thought that like yo to find a studio and also i will say and it's not by any fault of their own it's just i guess i wouldn't say that i was sheltered but like i was never approached by like any no i'm lying there's one friend, uh, Tyler Westerman, in 11th grade, and he brought me to his house, and he had studio equipment, and he had me record three songs, or I recorded three verses on three different songs of his, and I will never unearth those songs ever in life, because <laughs> uh, I'm not ashamed of them, yeah. but it's a, it's quite a content. Uh-huh. It's some content in there. <laughs> But those that was my first introduction to like music or anything like really artistic. And I was just like, oh, this is cool. And then kind of just left that alone until my senior after my senior year of high school, all my friends. And I feel like a lot of us who kind of stay behind go through this of like all my friends just left to college, like better find something to do. That's facts. Yeah. I think that was like my very similar to me and like James. Mm hmm. Because me and James, like, kind of started towards the end of high school. Yeah. And then that was what got me started into it. Right. But And so I see this whole way, going back to your question, yeah. I know I no, really uh, went on a tangent. <laughs> I feel like before Tyler, the creator, you had to be, like, really perceptive to realize, like, yo, I could go to the studio. Mm-hmm. I could do graphic tees. I could do that and like really push for it, not see it as just like, oh, this is just something I do for fun. Like, yeah. But even if you did do something for fun, you could garner attention from it. Cause like, all right, I'm lying again. Like I screen printed one t-shirt in high school and I would like tie dye shit in my spare time, but I never saw it as like an actual endeavor. Yeah. I just saw it as like, this is how I'm going to pass think, the time. I think, yeah, yeah cause like, I'm bored. There's certain things that we might have been doing that we didn't really acknowledge. We may not even acknowledge it now, but those are the specific things that led us up to the point we're at. Right. Whereas like, and even then when I started tie dyeing and like doing the screen printing, I probably was already put on to like everything that that whole wave in LA was doing of like d- real DIY but not like on some uh indie shit. Yeah. We really have been influenced by like a lot of great artists in this recent in the past decade mm-hmm. who like showed us the way of like yo really all you have to do is just do the shit and have fun with it and see what happens Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's safe to say like there's more people doing that now than there probably would have been if you know we didn't have those people oh 100 percent. like i like i could never all this shit that i'm I'm doing i could never be like yeah and then i woke up one day and i was like (laughs) i'm gonna do this (laughs) it was definitely like seeing people before me and being interested and being like oh i want to try that too but like not straight copying them just like seeing it's like monkey see monkey do in a way where like if it sparks your interest you're like oh well what materials do i have to get Mm -hmm. to go and be that yeah and then just do it your own way we talk we talk a lot about being humble, right? Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of being humble, but because 
people tend to overpraise people right. and make it seem as if they're unable to do what you know those people are able to do. Yeah. When in reality, we're just trying to be ourselves. One hundred percent. So I just want to see what you got to say on that. Um, I get uncomfortable. <laughs> not e- not in a like a negative way. Like it, I appreciate it, but I definitely I get very bashful when mm. people try to like pay me compliments or like will talk to me to other people in front of me yeah like i hate that shit it's not that i hate it it's I just do. like i feel like i it's just like you have one of two responses where you're just like <laughs> yeah nigga uh, i'm fucking like you they, i'm gonna let them tell yeah. it like they right they right like or you're just like, oh, jeez, like, thank you so much. <laughs> and, like, I'm the latter where, like, I will full on put my hoodie on and, like, oh pull the drawstring <laughs> and be like, yo, like, please get me out of here. Right. <laughs> like, like, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, it, occasionally but, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the dance, but not often. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it because, like, I'm always, I'm always just like, I don't know. It's that. I've heard this new phrase on Twitter. Shouts out to Twitter. Just joined this month. Oh, yeah. Welcome. Um, <laughs> Blew up like your first week. That's <laughs> <laughs> so where I belong. But, um, yeah. Like, I have friends in particular who, like, enjoy, because they love seeing, like, how shy that I'll get. So they'll yeah. just do it all the time when they, like, introduce me to people. And they'll be like, this is Karen. And he does all this cool, like, cut and sew stuff. And, like, he raps. And, like, he... Blah blah blah, yeah. and I'm just like, uh, okay, like let me just, uh, I'm just like, cool, thanks, guys. Why? Why does it make you feel like that though? Because like, like you said, it's just a matter of like, I'm not doing this for anybody but myself. Yeah. Like, not recognition is cool. I'll say that, and like, I think we all want to be recognized, but it's like at the end of the day. Even if nobody paid me any attention, like mm-hmm. I would still be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Like my, I have, I low key have a plan. Uh, and I constantly battled myself back and forth on it that I'm just going to make music for until I die uh-huh. and just keep it all on a hard drive. And I'm not going to release any of it until after I die because I don't want to hear what anyone has to say about it. Like on a major level where like, I want to be potentially like, you know how great painters didn't get their flowers for their paintings until Mm -hmm. after they died. Like I want to release my shit in like 50, 90 years after I'm gone (laughs) and somebody to find it and be like, yo, who is this nigga? (laughs) And then just find out I'm dead. And there's just like, it's weird because like I can't see him and like give him his praise. Yeah. But at the same time, he has all this content that like he's collected over the years. So like that's part of why like I make music still, even though I haven't released like a real song of my own mm-hmm. in like two, three going on four years. Yeah. But I'm comfortable with like making my own music and showing like my small circle of friends mm-hmm. because I'm like, yo, like, yeah, what you think of this? Like, I'm proud of this one. Like, how you feel about this one? But I think um, another part of that is, like, I think of in the event that I have a family, I don't want my work to affect their lifestyle Facts. because that feels selfish of me that, like, 
just because there's this heat lamp on your dad or your husband that like you have to go through the ills of like what that lifestyle would be mm-hmm. and when i was a kid like yeah i've always had like an ability to put words together and express myself creatively but um i think about how that affects everyone else and how that would affect my relationships because like your words have a lot of power and it takes a very strong unit to be able to just like bypass whatever you're saying the evils of like the music industry and like still stick by you and it's like yeah on one hand there's a lot of artists who probably have a rider beside them and is like yo like i'm gonna hold it down for you like through whatever but for me i'm just like I don't even think I want to take that chance of like you knew what you signed up for. I'll say and I know I'm going on a lot of tangents. I do that a lot. All right, go ahead. But um one of my homies is friends with a major artist. Mm-hmm. And said artist was coming up when he was coming up had this girlfriend who like had been with him since high school. And made it through, like, a few years of, like, his come up. But then eventually just, like, had to bounce. And when my homie asked him, it was like, yo, like, what's wrong? Like, what happened with your girl? And he was just like, man, she just couldn't take the juice. And he just, like, laughed. And he was like, the fuck does that mean? And the artist was like, bro, like, you get to a He's like, I hate to say it, but you get to a point where, like, shit is not regular anymore. And, like... She wants that regular life, and, like, I can't give her that. So he's, like, she's just better off with somebody, like, whose lifestyle really aligns with her values. He's, like, even though it wasn't even a problem with us as people, it was a problem with each other's lifestyle where, like, I might have to go do this appearance, like, at 2 in the morning, and she's going to be not want to go and, like, be thinking, like, yo, what if he's out just, like, fucking around? Mm -hmm. So that's, like, a terrible thing to see. And I would never want that, like, I would never ha- want to compromise, like, my real life yeah. for some entertainment bullshit. Honestly, man, you're lucky to even think like that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of niggas that don't. Exactly. You know? And I feel like w- we were lucky to even notice that, you know, at the age we are. Because, I mean, shit could have popped off mm, very early, you know. Right. If we really wanted it to. Low key. Huh? <laughs> um, and this isn't by no fault of anyone. Yeah. I just like to joke around and say this but i like to say in my head that i'll and i'll say it for the first time <laughs> ever out loud cold juice is the best rap group that loki never was that is facts or like almost was i wouldn't say never yeah. was mm-hmm. almost was like come on bro first song that we ever released <laughs> like twenty thousand listens in like with no promotion <laughs> first song ever like did not sit down and like try to throw darts at the wall and yeah. see what sticks like just sat down did one song, put it out, no promotion, no nothing, like, one time, put it out, put it on our stories, that was it. Crazy listens. Crazy. But I was never salty about it. I mm-hmm. was just like, yo, I understand everyone's perspective yeah. on this thing. See, that was, that was one thing I was, I was happy to see, you know, like, because before we sat down and had that conversation, I'm not going to lie. I was anxious as fuck. Bro. You know? Yeah. But look, see, the thing is, like, I was anxious because, 
you know, along with like me not wanting to, you know, get in the way of everybody else's plans. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting in the way, getting in the way of my own shit, you know, like right. I didn't, you know, not all of me wanted to stop. And that that's, sense, you know, yeah, that's the point mm-hmm. that I was making earlier. Yeah. Like you got to recognize loyalty exactly. to yourself. Exactly. Bro, the effect that it has on the people around you is. It's dangerous. It's bigger than you think. Yeah. It's very like. And that's not just music. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's even just a matter of success I've seen. Like, it doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be film. Like, you could go to school, be a lawyer, and, like, your homies might look at you the wrong way and be like, yo, this nigga's doing too good for himself. Mm -hmm. And, like, start acting different, which is crazy to me. But, like, I always knew. And, like, you're right. I am glad that, like, we all just had the the respect for each other and the cognizance to know that, like, this isn't. A situation of like, man, I don't give a fuck about this money, or like, man, this nigga's fucking the money up. Like, yeah. we could we could be doing so much. It's like, yeah, we could could have done so much, but like, if it wasn't right, then that's all it is. Yeah. And it was fun either way. Like, I had a great time. <laughs> like, okay. I'm not over here just like, yo, like the checks got fucked up. See, like, that's that's another thing we're lucky about because. We got other shit we could fall back on. Exactly. And that's the thing was like, I was never, as long as we still like hung out and like did projects together, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm cool. Like, I don't give a fuck about anything else. Like, I was like, I I make my own money. So like, I'm not worried about like, this is not the check that I'm pressed for. Mm -hmm. And like, as long as we're hanging out, having fun, like, that's all that really mattered to me. As much as we like to, you know, say we do the shit we do for fun. Mm-hmm. I think we get to this point because we notice whenever we do put something out, like that whole concept of fun and like enjoyment oh, it turns, in, turns into like, you know, your perception of yeah. everything that's happening yeah. surrounding it. You know, like I'll just put out, bro, it's easy as like posting a picture on Instagram. Yeah. Like as easy as that. It could just be a selfie or something. You, I mean, no, maybe not a selfie, but like maybe a piece of work, right? Yeah. You know, maybe a painting or something. You did it for fun. You post it. You're completely removed from the concept of the painting itself. Mm-hmm. You're focused on, you know, who's reposting it. Yeah. How many niggas are liking it, this and that. And then the concept changes to, you know, a concept of fame and attention, mm-hmm. which is why we're here. Right I now. used to yeah. be so... I used to be whack on Instagram. Nobody really knows this, but I, like... I was, there was a period of time where I was just posting shit just to see like, yo, how many numbers could this this shit do? Like doing shit just to be like, yo, how could I get the attention this time? (laughs) And like, I was like, anytime that I would post some shit and that, that it bombed or like it didn't, it just did like not, not as well as I expected it to. I'll just be like, yo, what? Like I'm losing it. Like, (laughs) oh shit. Like I don't have the juice anymore. And it's like, that's what juice the movie was about it was like this nigga chasing this feeling of like power or success and i took a step back and i was like nigga don't nobody give a fuck about what you i was like a like is easy like Mm -hmm. i was like just doing that shit for like clout or content for for those purposes like i learned real quick i was like yo this headache don't mean shit and i just need to have like as much fun with this as possible because 
Just cause. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out, I was like, yo, sometimes people don't like the cool shit that you're posting, but other times people don't. Or like people, <laughs> sometimes people like the wild shit that yeah. you'll post or like, so my whole thing is that I've learned is like, you know what? My whole thing, I'm just going to be funny to myself first. Yeah. And like, y'all can either laugh with me or not. But like at the end of the day, everything that I post is to either be funny or mm-hmm. because I like it. Yeah. Because I will, um, I think my post that ever did the best that I'm like, is high key hilarious to me. It was the photo dump. You remember that one? Which one? The one where I posted a bunch of different like wild pictures onto one post. And there's one picture in particular where I've got, you think, (laughs) (laughs) shouts out to you. You know who you are. Oh my God. (laughs) So there's a photo of me and. That was a wild post. Damn. Yeah. People went crazy over that one. Like people were DMing me and we're just like, bro, you're the goat. (laughs) You are an insane human being. And I was like, I know I am. Um, Basically, I will let the listener put two and two together. But there is a pair of thighs uh, framing my face from a downward me laying on my back <laughs> angle. And there are two smears of blood underneath my eyes. Uh-huh. So let that sink in. <laughs> <laughs> and that one got like 300 likes. Ridiculous. So I was just like, wow, people don't give a fuck about like the cool shit. Like I've posted a lot of different shit. And I'm just like, people don't give a fuck about the cool shit that you're doing about the funny th- shit that you're doing like people want to see the wild shit like that's yeah. why world star is so popular it's yeah, like dude. yeah funny shit haha all right but like people want to see shit that they don't see every day and that was something where i was like yo let me just drop this real quick mm-hmm. and see what happens and it was just like <laughs> went crazy everybody in the my my mom was like yo oh, <laughs> <laughs> i was like it is what it is but uh, yeah, I took that one down just for like professional purposes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> my dad, oh my god, my dad showed his coworkers and like told me wow. he was like, "Yeah, I was showing this one at work." <laughs> or it was like his coworkers were showing him, or he was showing them, and he's like, "That's my son." And I was like, <laughs> "I got it from watching you, Dad." Oh, <laughs> okay, speaking of funny shit, and your dad, <laughs> <laughs> you said you got a story to tell, oh, so we'll run that up. Um. Yeah, I think one thing that's very important as a parent is not. Oof. I've always been like back and forth between this as someone who would like to be a parent in the future. I go back and forth on like, yo, do I tell my kids like you can do anything or do I like set their expectations to be more realistic and like. Almost in a way like unfortunately put a ceiling on like their fantasies and shit like that because it's like you look at a Kanye where he's saying that his mom supported him through like anything and was like yo you're the best like you can do this you could do that like you and you can see it like you can't tell him shit and it's like if your mom raises you and it's like yo you can do whatever the fuck you want but I think you have to preface that with like as long as you work, you're best at it and, like, be the best at it. Yeah. Like, don't just tell your kid, like, yeah, you can walk outside the door and be the fucking man every day and you don't got to do shit. You just are the way you are because I made you. That's terrible. I've seen human beings walking around, like, thinking that 
they could step on shit and turn it to a diamond. Yeah. And it's really not the case. So it's like a weird thing where you got to like battle someone else's reality of like, bro, like you're saying all of this, but like we're real, you really are not backing it up. Mm-hmm. Where like a Kanye, he might be wilding, but like his he's got the resume, for his it, resume yeah. can back that up mm-hmm. entirely, even regardless. Mm-hmm. And he is exactly like a lot of the things that he said or like set out to do. Like one of like, the most influential artists in history when people like laughed at him as like, Oh nigga, you'll just be a producer mm. to where he is now, like in the height of like fashion, uh, billionaire, 3 billion, if I'm not mistaken, his words, not mine. Um, so it's a thing of like, do I tell my child you can do anything? Or in the case of my dad, when I was in, eighth grade i went to a basketball camp and i played basketball since i was six i was decent like in my pond or my league i was one of the top players and i was looking at that like from that age is like oh nigga if i just keep playing like i'll go to the nba it's no problem without realizing i am five feet tall in the eighth grade (laughs) like going through puberty i only gain about five more inches (laughs) I'm not buff. I'm not running like a four four. Like I'm nice. I'm decent. But at the same time, the only time I would practice was when I was at practice yeah. and practice was only maybe like two, three times a week. Yeah. I wasn't playing every day. And so I remember one time I was like fucking up on my homework and my dad is like getting upset with me. And he's like, you need to be doing your homework because this, that, and the other blah, blah, blah. And I tell him, I'm like, dad, all I got to do is go to the NBA and like, I'll be fine. Like I don't got to worry about school. And he's like, he gets at me. And just like, this is the thing that like stopped oh me. He says, he's like, you're five feet tall. You don't practice outside of practice. You're not playing in like the travel ball leagues. <laughs> he's like, you're only playing in the re- local rec center league. There's kids who are better than you. There's kids who are taller than you. There's kids who are faster than you. And he's like, it's not going to happen. And I was Damn. just like, I, I looked at him and I just, I was so angry and I burst into tears and I was like, it was that like fork in the road moment where like I could have gone one way and like picked my shit up and been like picked up a basketball for the rest of my life at like yeah. 5 a.m. every yep. day. And like maybe by like could have possibly by some small prob- uh, statistic because I mean Muggsy Bogues, Spud Webb made it to the NBA. Like short <laughs> niggas can get into the NBA. It is a possibility. <laughs> it's very hard but it's not impossible. Yeah. Or I could have just been like you know what? He's right. Fuck basketball. So I went that route because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I ended up going to basketball camp at Hoover High School and we would run practice pickup games at the end of the camp days like you would get there at nine you would be there till five it was a job of a camp like they do not fuck around in that program so i'm seeing like my competition and just like yo i am small when i like step out of my big my little pond where the shit that just finally like sent me off the court this was it was this kid who was six four and he's playing in my age group. It's like sixth, sixth to eighth grade. 
I go up for a layup. He comes over behind me and swats God my shit damn. like off the wall and it goes like back across the court. <laughs> and I like run up to him and I'm like, yo, how old are you? And he's like, oh, I'm in sixth grade, bro. And I'm like, <laughs> All right, y'all have a good time, bro. It's been fun. (laughs) I'm going to get up out of here because I'm in eighth grade going into goddamn high school. (laughs) So I saw that. I was like, yo, I'm done. I was like, ah, I got other endeavors. But yeah, so it's the thing of like when you get met with the face of somebody telling you no, I backed down two times. But now I'm in a space where like creatively, creatively, nobody like I found my callings Mm -hmm. and my niche. And I found the shit that like people can't deny me in. I think this is where we end up. Exactly. So it's like one of those things where like obviously football, wrestling, cross country, basketball, they were fun, but that's not where I was going to like find myself. Mm -hmm. And with this art shit, like art being so subjective, like somebody, nobody really can tell me shit about myself. Like as a player, like when you're playing sports, People can tell you shit about you. Oh, you mm-hmm. dropped that pass? You're not good, bro. Like, yeah. pack it up. But with art, it's like... And here, in this, you can you get to choose exactly. who's going to tell you shit. You right. know, who you're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on who you listen to, it could either make you or break you, you know? Right. If so, you're not going to listen to anybody, then, you know, you're taking an L. But, yeah. You know. So I think that's where that ends up on that story <laughs> yeah. of, like, my dad was just looking out for my best interest mm-hmm. of, like, bro, don't, like, don't blow your head up to think you're going to be something you're not if you're not yeah. putting in the work for it. And even like artistically, it's the same thing where yep. like you could say, oh, I'm going to be a rapper. I'm going to blow the fuck up. But it's like, bro, Lil Wayne says something that spoke to me where he's like, I go to the studio every day yeah. and do something. There's rappers who go to the studio like once a week to work on like one song and think they're going to blow off that one song. Like, bro, Rick Rubin once said, the more that you fish, the more fish you will catch. That's right. But you will not catch a fish every time you go fishing. That's right. So what it is you do just a bit at least uh, you know yeah so, i mean, I mean you've been working on you know you've been working on the clothing we have some projects in the works yeah mm. i started with producing when i was 18 because i think over summer i met up with a friend of mine and he showed me the program logic and he taught me how to obtain it in manners that I will not discuss. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> so after I obtained Logic, I just was messing around with my laptop and my keyboard because I had no idea about like MIDI controllers or anything like that. And like as I went along, I would just happen to find other people's setups and see what other people were doing and kind of just absorb that information to include into my own endeavor. So I was just thinking for years i was like oh i'm gonna be a producer slash rapper and was just like making music making songs 
but always like struggled to feel comfortable, like had to find my voice and like figure out my lane of things for a very long time. I didn't go- just go into it thinking like, oh, nigga, I'm nice. Yeah, like, of course. I definitely was like self-conscious with a lot well, of then my that's, work. That's growth in a way. A hundred percent. Compared to, you know, how you were before. Mm-hmm. So then 2016, I end up leaving the Bay Area and I start thrifting crazy and I'm finding like all kinds of cool clothes. And I mean, I've been thrifting for years, but like I was, this is when I was like really going hard with it. Like going to the thrift store, leaving out with like three big ass trash bags, finding stuff. And then eventually I was like seeing stuff that's not in my size and being like, damn, I wish I could get that and like cut it down to fit me. And then I realized, I was like, that's what tailoring and alterations is for. So I was like, then I started buying big stuff and taking it to um, this place in La Mesa and like basically became good friends with the owner because I was bringing him like six pieces like every week. But then realizing like, yo, ooh, six times 20 that's $120. I'm like, damn, I'm spending like $240 in like two weeks just to like on thrifted clothes. On thrifted <laughs> clothes that I'm trying to size down to yeah. me. I'm like, damn, this is ridiculous. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just learn how to do this shit myself. And from there, I went from tailoring pants to making pants to gaining the confidence to make button-up shirts to just realizing like you can really like one. Once you have a sewing machine and some fabric mm-hmm. and the right idea, you can just make whatever the fuck you want. Yep. So I've made cardigans, pants, shorts, button-up shirts, bags, just basically anything that I've wanted to make. Or maybe talk about what you're on right now. Right now. Yeah. Like what's going on right now? Right Studio now, and everything. myself uh, and two of my friends and partners trusted esteemed colleagues uh all around great human beings mm-hmm. shayla Dela cruz and casey naughton we opened up a office space slash creative studio and are just using this place as like an incubator slash laboratory for like all of our ideas mm. and endeavors that we want to pursue and even like before opening this I had like a frame of mind of like what I liked to do and who I at the time think I am. But like since opening this, my mind has just changed and already like so greatly mm. to where like it's another thing like like the Tyler, the creator thing I was talking about where like you realize you really can do whatever the fuck you want. It's just that like you might have it built up in your mind like, oh, I don't have the money for it or like, oh, like... I don't know if now is a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, we just opened this studio in the middle of a pandemic. Yep. And we're just like, I think the pandemic really put us all into a frame of mind of like, really, what do we have left to lose at this yeah. point? Because like, honestly, and I think it just kind of gave us something to do because like everybody was getting tired of like sitting in their house. For me, this idea came, came to me one night I was hanging out with Luke and Caden. We had just gotten sushi in Hillcrest. Mad late. 
stayed there until like midnight. And it came, this idea came to us because we were sitting outside of the Riot Aid in Hillcrest. Like literally, Luke and Caden are like lying down on the cement. Just like, and we're just tired, but like we still want to hang out and talk. And Luke said, or Luke or Caden, I can't remember which one said like, I wish we just had some place that we could go to that wasn't one of our houses. Yeah. Because like we all live with our families mm-hmm. and not really nobody like as cool as anybody's family course, might be. A, you don't want to go out the way to like somebody's house and then have to drive back to your own like mad late at night. <laughs> and then B nobody's parents are that cool where they're like, oh, yes, yeah, you know, it's midnight, but fuck it. Like, come through, hang out, do whatever you want. Yeah. And then even on another note, I've learned, like, living with people or living out on my own, having roommates, your roommates are usually not that cool with, like, you just having friends mm-hmm. over at, like, midnight. And if they yeah. are, they're probably a psychopath. But... Yeah, we were just like, we wish we had some place that was like a neutral zone mm-hmm. that we could just link up at at any time because everything's closed and like we don't want to go to each other's houses. And so that was like my aha moment mm-hmm. of like, yo, we should go in on a studio. And like they were down and like we talked about it. And that's how like I started talking to everybody about it, kind of just like fielding the idea virus started hitting i know i started being like a little more persistent with everybody about like yo are we figuring this out we trying to get a house we trying to get a studio what's happening yeah studio was definitely in hindsight the best idea because i've learned that signing leases with your friends can be a goddamn disaster mm-hmm. what perfect timing to learn that lesson right 100 <laughs> percent. i'm like just getting out of it too like yeah. i was just getting out of that situation and like was rolling right into this st- studio situation. Yeah. So people would ask me and be like, yo, like, are you good? And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like yeah. to get out of that and then just go right into like neutral zone with like two great friends mm-hmm. and people who I like love and respect and admire fantastic. and look up to and like can invite other people with no problem mm-hmm. as long as you have an appointment or business and a mask. And a mask. <laughs> it was amazing because, like, yeah, you think that living with, like, your best friend is, like, the best idea, but then you kind of realize, like, there are quirks and nuances about people that, like, behind closed doors you were not anticipating or ready yeah. for. Mm-hmm. So it just, over time, like, can really put a strain on things. Mm-hmm. Like, my best is advice is like do not live with your best friend because like y'all might think you're best friends, but once you live together, like you will really that shit will really be put to the test. I think I've heard that from every single person that's ever lived with their best friend. Yeah. So, it's it's yeah. sad to see, but yeah. It's a that's lesson that I definitely learned. Okay, we're gonna go to break soon, but before we do we got one more story to tell. Okay. <laughs> I guess that? we could go on it, go in on it together. But the money box. Story. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh <laughs> shit. Okay.
think you started off and then because it did start with you Bro. so i could take it from from there was this 2016 it might have been yeah 2016 Shit. shouts out to edgar alejandre yes sir uh what was it fuck fest i don't know if it was fuck fest or love fest it was one of them love fest probably i think it was he was going by fuck at the time <laughs> f-u-k so i think he wanted it to call it that fuck, one. It i think he wanted one. to call it fuck fest anyways i'm working the d- or actually was it because i think at fuck fest i performed with amanda i performed one song with amanda at love fest that was it Oh wait, no, no, because no, 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 both times, no, 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 because no. the second time around, I didn't perform because my leg was broken, and that's when the money box situation happened. What? Yes. Okay. 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 So I, I, I clearly remember this. <laughs> my leg was broken because niggas want to be cute and all the uh, all the up curbs yeah. in Air Force Ones, <laughs> the worst skating shoe you could possibly ever try to use. And, like, my homies who, like, I was so embarrassed when this shit happened because I was like, how do I break my ankle, like, missing an ollie over a curb? (laughs) Embarrassing. But, like, I talked to all my skater homies after that because, like, I don't even really skate like that. I don't even skate like that. So I was like, fuck, like, I can't go telling this story. Like, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. But then, like, all the homies were like, bro, it happens. I broke my wrist just trying to do, like. Just trying to grab my board. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, thank God. It's not just me. But yeah, ever since then, I've never skated again in my life. It's just another one of those walk away situations. Because I was like, I don't got pro deals on the table. Uh, I'm not really a fan of not being able to drive. And it's mad inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. Like people had to drive me around. I had to crutch. Like I used to walk to school and then I broke my ankle. I couldn't even drive to school. So I had to crutch to school. And that shit was like, a tenth of a mile, but like, bro, a tenth of a mile, five days a week, back and forth, it adds up. Mm-hmm. And you got multiple classes, so you got to decide, like, am I going to crutch back home or I'm going to stay on school property? Yeah. Like, annoying. Anyways, my ankle's broken. I'm on crutches. Or no, by this time for the show, I'm on a boot. So oh, I'm yeah, able yeah. to, like, walk mm-hmm. around, but, like, I'm not, I'm peg-legging it. Uh... I think you and I didn't even know each other like that. Or like I mean, we not, were just like starting. That. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, yeah like for, we for sure. like we rapped together. We would hang out with we had never hung out one on one. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Um you came through, Caden came through. I can't remember if Luke came through. No, I don't think, I don't he, think did. he did. So you came through, Caden came through, and one of y'all came through We won't we won't use his name. With this one nigga. Yeah. I didn't come through with him. None of us came through with He him. just showed up, he but he up. knew y'all. He and I up. thought that he pulled up with y'all. No. Because he was with you guys <laughs> when I met him. Yeah. So I'm playing doorman for Fuckfest because I don't want to go and watch the shows. I don't want to be standing in the pits like with my ankle boot on. Mm-hmm. So I'm just playing doorman, like getting all the money for the show. Mind you, it's 10 bucks. Yeah. So it's like we're getting money at this and show. There's, there's like people in there's there. at least like. 50 plus people yeah so it's money's coming in yeah. and like more people it doesn't just like stop like more people and more people are coming yeah. in like almost every hour we get into the late hours of things i think you bounced first i did then Caden bounced and i'm sitting there 
And the whole time that I was there, like I think you and Caden too. The whole time we was there, I think Nans was standing by the by yeah. The, by, by, you by and Caden, but like you and Caden were sitting like by me, or like Caden would just like kick it. Yeah, I was I was moving around. Like, right, I wasn't even there. Yeah, but I was there for hours. Yeah. I was there at least like probably from six until like ten. Yeah. So I'm seeing like all this money putting into the, into the bag, and then at one point in the night, I'm like, I should probably move this into like a separate bag. Yeah, and like. Get the, sh- the the big bills out of here. Yeah. So I would tell one of the homies, I'm like, yo, big bills, like, take them right here. And then we still got, like, the jar or whatever of, like, ones and fives. But it's still, like, a decent amount. Mm-hmm. You bounce. Caden's there for a minute. And I'm, like, still looking at this nigga. And mind you. Oh, so it, you, were, you noticed him. Well, yeah, he was sitting there. But I'm just like, okay, bro. Wait, he's cool. sitting with y'all? Yeah, he was sitting, Whoa. like, he was sitting, like, in proximity, like, Okay, I didn't know that. He was sitting like a few feet away, like okay. just chilling, like posted yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like, oh, bro's like really just down to kick it. All right, bet. But then I'm looking at him and I'm like, bro, are you good? And he's just like, I look at him and he looks back at me and his eyes are like blood red. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's why he's been posted up this whole time. This nigga's high as fuck. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Like he's just going to be ki- like chilling. It's no big deal. Caden finally bounces, shakes my hand. I don't think he really shook his hand, though. He was just like, yo, I'll see you. Peace out. So I'm sitting. Events getting t- towards the end of the night. Uh, I'm sitting. Also, I don't know if it was just me that noticed, but it was very dark. Yeah. Out, like in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you couldn't like, see shit. Outside of the venue, it was very dark. There yeah. were no lights. Inside, yeah. there was like pretty dim lights because yeah. people were performing. Uh-huh. So at one point, shows like kind of coming to a close. People are starting to filter out. And I see one of the homies. I turn around. I'm like, hey, what's good, bro? I turn around. I'm not looking. All of a sudden, I like look back and I see like a flash of legs just like running out the door. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's weird. And I see bro and he's gone. And I'm like, that's weird as hell. Like, bro didn't even say goodbye. Like, okay. And so I'm sitting. I'm looking at one of the homies and he's like, hey, bro. I'm like, what's good? He's like, where the fuck is the money box? And I'm like, Wait, what? And I'm looking around, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. And I'm feeling shitty because I'm like, yo, you're the doorman. You're watching the money. And so I'm like, bruh, I walk out. I'm hobbling on my leg. I'm looking around. I can't see this nigga because it's dark. I can't see, like, he's gone. So I'm just like, bro, fuck no. So I go back inside. I tell Edgar. I tell Edgar, the homie Daniel, Wayne. Oh, my God. And I'm like, bro. You remember nigga, the nigga who was sitting with me, like, had so his hood on? I was about this I was shit, like, man. you remember the nigga who was sitting with me, had his hood on, came through with Caden and Blah, and I felt so bad, like, saying that, because, like, that's the only tangible, of course. tangibility I had, yeah. was, like, not that y'all are responsible, like... Of course. It's like what Chief Key says, like, I can't control my niggas, my niggas can't control me. That's right. But it was just a matter of, like, yo, they know him, I know that they're not involved with his actions, mm-hmm. but they might know where he's at. So boys get in the car and i'm uh it was disgusting i was like bro like we were really about to hunt this nigga down it's like it was probably late almost, as hell it was probably like midnight almost midnight, yeah i'm calling Caden. i'm like bro do you know where this nigga lives he's like i don't know where he lives but all might know i start calling you and i was i felt so bad i was relentless i was like i know <laughs> i thought i was about to get beat up <laughs> I'm calling I'm calling you oh my God. and I'm just like, yo, know, your boy bro. took the money from the show. Where the fuck is he at? Yeah. And you're just like, 
shit like yo i'm so sorry like you're profusely like apologizing it's not even your fault i feel bad like because i didn't want you to feel like yo i'm pressing you like yo if you if we no, don't of find course. Your... no but see it is it is on me at the same time like it, it's it, not it's not on me but it is but it was like know? i thought it was going to be a situation like if you... i if i didn't do anything then right it's different then it's you know? like then it's a weird situation exactly. it's like oh well if you with him then like it's fuck you too yeah, like, like it's, one, it's one thing if i'm like i mean i can't control him you know right but if i'm not gonna make an effort to you know but it's get not even back. some shit like it was very inconvenient though, i'll say exactly that, that shit sucked because it's like well let me let me let me tell you my part because yeah. you call me and then I, I was just like okay let me you know see what i could do so i call up mans and i think i told you this basically i just straight up said you know, you need to take that shit back. Yeah, right. Like we already know that you got the money. Yeah, we, like we're like, outside his house. Like you. Oh gave yeah, us yeah. I gave, I gave him. The, I gave him. The, no, first I was like, "Yo, you need to get back the money, or I'm gonna give him your address." Mm-hmm. Right. And he goes, "Nah, you wouldn't do that." And I'm like, "Bro, these are my homies that you just stole from. Right? I invited you, and you took their money. I'm gonna give them your damn address if you don't, you know, comply." And this dude goes. Damn, I thought you're my homie though. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I like, nigga, I thought you were my homie. I'm gonna take you somewhere and I realize I can't take you nowhere. Oh my <laughs> god. So he says that and I'm like, look, you either go back right now or I'm sending them your address. So he's like, I'm not doing it. So I'm like, bet, hang up. I text you guys the address. And then I'm like chilling with one of my friends at that time, right? So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. you chilling with your homie at midnight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, these niggas go to the dude's house to go and find him. Get yes, there. And he's not there, if I remember correctly, right? No. So here's the thing. <laughs> this was the fucked up part. What? We're outside the house. And we oh, know y'all was knocking on the door, we huh? Was, oh, we oh, was beating the God. shit out of that door. And his car wasn't even there from what I I think, at least. No, I think at first his car wasn't there. But then we yeah. pulled up again. We doubled back because at first we left. But that was because I called you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we doubled back and you're like, yo, his car is here. Like, But yeah, first time that we were that we pulled up, he may or may not have been in the house. I'm not sure. But we saw the nigga's grandpa like upstairs in the house. Like lights on upstairs, and we're just yo, open up. We like pissed off. Like we're young, we're stupid. It's like midnight, but we're just like yo, the homie's money just got stolen. We're getting this money back tonight, somehow or another. And I'm just like banging on, like not even banging on the door, banging on the gate. So like I'm, I'm waking niggas up. I'm just like I don't give a fuck. We're getting this money somehow or another. Like banging on that shit for at least 15 minutes, like nonstop, just going, 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 not stopping. And then the homies that I'm with are looking upstairs and his grandpa's upstairs, not even like looking down on us, like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, or like, you're like, you're Niggas disturbing my house. Scared, bro. No, he was just walking around the room <laughs> like nothing was happening. And we're just like, it, he has to be like hard of hearing because okay. like there's no possible, yeah. like we could not be ignored. So, like, he might have been the only one in the house, but, like, I was just like, bro, I could make, I could cause an earthquake in this bitch, and this old man <laughs> will not come downstairs. Like, okay. you would think, like, anybody with some sense or just, like, curiosity 
or even being scared, like you would come to the gate, open it, and be like, y'all got to get the fuck out from my, in front of my house. Had the lights on upstairs, was just like shuffling around his room, not looking at us, not coming to the window. Yeah. Just like, it was as if we were not there. So I was just, I was freaked out. And I was like, yo, are we at the wrong house? Like, what's going on? So we leave. We're about to head back. You call us. And you're like, yo, he's there. Like, just pull back up. So we pull back up. We meet you. And you're just like, bro, I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, no, it's all good. Like, this is not you. Like, this is, this is him. So we go. You knock on the door one time. And then you call him. And you're like, bro, like, open the fucking door. Like, we're all outside. Like, they're not leaving until you come out with the money. Yeah. This nigga comes outside. And he goes, he opens the door. And he goes, oh, what's up? What's <laughs> good? <laughs> And we're like, nigga. Oh, my God. If you don't come outside right now, like, we will fuck you up collectively. <laughs> like, come outside. Give us the money. He's like, bro, I don't even have the money. And I'm like, bro, stop. Like, don't. Nah, I'm not going for it. I'll kick this door down with this goddamn broken foot boot. <laughs> I was like, come outside. Give us the money. We know you have it. And so he comes outside. He's like, it's like that. Okay. <laughs> Oh my and so God, we all bro. follow him to his car and we're all, I could see it in like everybody's faces. Like we're holding back the absolute desire to just like stomp this nigga yeah. out like in the street. Like fuck the money at this point. This is just like a yeah. matter of disrespect. Mm -hmm. And so we go to his car <laughs> and this is the part that kills me. We go to his car. <laughs> he opens the passenger door. He opens the glove box. He goes in his wallet and he goes, Bro, I only got like $25 on me. I was just like, no, nigga, where's the box? Like, show me the box. I don't give a fuck about your wallet. Keep your money. And he's like, oh, shit, it's right here. And he like finds it underneath the seat. We look at the box. We open it up. And it's like, bro, it's just all ones and fives. Oh, and I'm just no. like, dog, like, you really did not have to do this. I was like, you thought you were going to be slick. You thought you were going to get away with it. Like. It is what it is. And so then we get the box and he looks at us and he's like, bro, y'all are really just going to take my money oh like that? My and I was God, like, bro. my nigga. <laughs> I was like, do you not realize the ass backwardness of this situation? I was like, if we, I was like, if I was on some different type of shit, I would just took your whole wallet and slapped the shit out of you with it. But I'm going to just let you have your little 25. We got the ones and fives from us. I was like, for all I know, that 25 might be ours. Yeah. It's like, I might have the audacity to just take that shit from you. But I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to let you have that. We get the box back just based on principle. I was like, bro, like, it's not even the money at this point. It's just the fact that, like, you can't let niggas just get over on you like that yeah. and, like, think shit is sweet. So then we're walking back to the house. And I remember you just being like, Oh yeah. I'm fucking disappointed in you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, go back inside. And then they like looked at me like I did something wrong. Yeah, and he's like, damn, bro. <laughs> and I was just like, you was just like, nah, no. <laughs> I've never seen you so mad before. And you're just like, you making me look bad by doing this shit. Like, go back in the house. And that was that. We just left. Man. That was a long ass night, bro. Bro. Oh, my God.
the absolute audacity you have to have to steal from someone, get the shit taken back from you, and then be like, damn, bro, you just going to take my money like that? <laughs> like, I was like, bro, that's how I know you high. You're listening to Rider on the Run with me, Bilal Muhammad, and Karen Miles. We back in a sec.
best run the other way in case the physical breakdown. Y'all can break now. My kitchen full of heat if you can't take the temp. Make yourself exempt. Pussy foot and around be getting y'all nowhere but stuff. Nowhere to dub. Bullets fine. Niggas die. If I get too blasted, how drastic. They got the nerve to ask me why I do the things I do. I got the nerve to serve you up just like a way to do a time. I take that back. That's my problem. Turning and walking away just ain't gonna work when they be robbing. As long as big boys still live and never standing by my lonesome. Step up, nigga, if you want some. Yeah, ain't no thing but a chicken wine. We's having a smoke out in a dungeon with a Mary Jane. It's just a piss. Players make that easy. It's, it's all about that sense in your chest. It's a joint. Ain't no thing but a chicken wine. We's having a smoke out in a dungeon with a Mary Jane. It's just a piss.
So the main reason we actually coordinated this episode was to reflect on the previous one that we did, <laughs> right? Yeah. That has not been or isn't going to be released for reasons that we'll get to, but we're using this as a chance to reflect on it and, you know, redeem ourselves in a sense. So before we did a cold juice episode, we had right. Kieran and Caden and myself in the studio. And it was not a particularly easy night, I'll say that much. No. Yeah. Um The funny thing about it is um <laughs> so on that night in particular, I was just getting off work. I had a friend in town. Uh I was off of four different substances yeah. when I pulled up and I thought I was killing it. <laughs> I thought I was in the conversation, just like getting off, like saying all this good shit yeah. and like having a blast. And then I just remember waking up at my house and I was like, oh no. Cause I already knew like yeah. shit had to be a disaster mm -hmm. <laughs> so i remember collectively asking each one of you like yo how did it go and y'all just being like nah bro. honestly you didn't even ask me i was surprised you didn't i i'm not I, okay i thought i had asked you i couldn't remember mm -hmm. but i think yeah now that i think about it i was probably like the most hesitant to ask you because i was like he's gonna give me like the the real opinion <laughs> and i don't think i was like based off kaden oh who like God. will softball everything <laughs> kaden was like yeah bro i think we're gonna have to redo that one <laughs> but um Damn. yeah i'm not i'm not too ashamed to admit i was fucked up out of my mind yeah like see crazy thing is though like i wasn't even tripping like yeah i mean we had already had to throw out a bunch of podcast episodes. Mm, okay. So it was it was nothing to do another one. You yeah, feel me? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, but if, like, if, no, do but you like, still have the audio for it? Oh, no, I do. I mean, if you're willing to, we could we, we could throw some snippets in. Please do, you know? because um, I want this to, like... Also, no, you haven't even heard it yet. I have not. Yeah. I don't think Honestly, I'm, I haven't even listened back to it just because... It's that bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm sure it's hard to listen to. It was very hard to listen to, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I didn't I didn't think I was, like, slurring my words or, like, yeah. anything like that. I'm sure I sound crazy. What do you remember exactly? I just remember sitting on the beanbag yeah. and, like, clapping my hands a lot. <laughs> and being thinking i'm getting points across yeah but like knowing myself as a sober individual i already go off on enough tangents as it is <laughs> so like to be on four different things and not remember the end of it awful yeah. actually the thing that i distinctly remember and it's the worst part is um me trying to spit a written oh no God, you mind that. you i remember <laughs> i clearly remember I don't remember any of the conversation that we were having, yeah. but I remember at the very end pulling my drunken, a fucked up confidence out of my pocket and like trying to spit and like stumbling over the first two bars over a beat and then stumbling again acapella, which like, how do you fuck up yeah. a written acapella? <laughs> like, 
So I was just like, damn, bro. Like, I'm going to leave this to the professionals. Because, like, I cannot rap. Okay, we'll input a snippet here. (laughs) I don't even know. That's what... That's what I done said. Motherfuckers want to get me and can all my bread, but I don't even got to say none. All these motherfuckers talking about what I get, bro. I don't even really need no shit, but I make some. I don't even really got to make cold juice. I just pour up all my shit that I drank, and these niggas was just writing on the run. I ain't even got a gun. I ain't even got no fun gun. I just got on some. I ain't even really got some. No fuck, I ain't need. Ah, uh, shit. No, fuck all that. Swerving on the freeway in broad day, I'm wilding out. Switching flames like I'm. Uh, fuck. Swerving on the freeway in broad day, I'm wilding out. Switching lanes same way, women switching their outfits out. My passenger is brown skin, her pigment master wood grain. She wanna blow below my steering wheel while I'm driving it. Ooh, I think she like me, ain't gotta feel conceited. She wanna fuck my car cause the Lexus is heated. I feel like Pimpsy's kid, but my seat is for cold juice. And I'm seeing it, y'all know who news ain't pro proving. <laughs> we gonna have to do this another oh time, bro. Oh my god, bro, <laughs> fuck. It's all good. Uh. <laughs> It's beyond me, but, yeah, like, yeah. here's the thing, though. What's crazy is I would say that it was probably a, a culmination of the substances in that case because, like, rappers all the time will be, like, drunk or high but, like, can still rap and get their point across, mm-hmm. do their job. I'm sure I was just doing a lot and, like, yeah, yeah. my brain was just, my synapses were not firing off properly. Mm-hmm. And I was tired, not to give like any excuses or anything like that. But I, the crazy thing is, there was another day, a few weeks after that, where if you can believe it, I was even more fucked up than that. Mm-hmm. And there's a video of me freestyling. And like, I watched it back when I was sober. And I was like, I don't know how these two instances are so starkly di- Like, I can't pinpoint what the stark differences between these two instances are. But I do know that both of them are not me at my best. Yeah. <clears throat> the one that I did with the podcast is definitely me at my absolute worst. I will say yeah. that. I guess maybe talk about what led to that point. And um, then also, I guess, what what turned things around. You know? Right. So, there is about... A period of like six to eight months where I started uh, using drugs thinking, you know, I feel like anybody who uses drugs is either trying to run from something or they're trying to get like that extra battery in their back where like rappers will smoke weed because like, oh, it makes me creative Mm -hmm. or like they'll pop perks because it's like oh i have pain that i'm trying to and like trauma and ptsd that i'm trying to numb and run from or like we'll take adderall because it's like yo i'm a better writer like when i take adderall Mm -hmm. or like get drunk because it's like yo i'm trying to loosen up have a good time and so i was taking um a mixed cocktail of numerous things some things that i thought would make me more creative some things that i thought would make me in a way more intense or like be able to work longer and harder 
and then sometimes like would just drink way too much to kind of just like even it all out. Yeah. Um. So it starts off innocent. It's like, oh, I'm just doing a little bit just to like, you know, burn a couple more hours of the midnight oil and then I'm gonna fall asleep, get up, be straight. And then over time with what I was doing, I realized I was like, and it's it took months. Like the first few months, you're having a blast. You're like, oh, I could do this all the time, forever. Yeah. Like I'm straight. Nobody knows like that I'm fucked up in front of them. And that's what you think at first. So it kind of like tricks you into like this false sense of mm. safety or like you think you you think you're better when you're on it because now all of a sudden you're more entertaining to people. But it's yeah. like, yeah, because like you're taking some shit that's like fucking your head up and that's making you think different. And so at first people might be like, oh, that's weird. Kieran's in like an awfully good mood. Like it's not, it seems like a good time. I'm yeah. not thinking anything of it. But then like over time it starts to catch up with you. Like you looking tired. Mm-hmm. Your skin's not looking the same. Uh, you're losing weight. You're gaining weight. Your brain's not like functioning properly. Like you haven't, you're struggling to like put sentences together at times, mm-hmm. struggling to like put thoughts together, having like memory problems. And then you're trying to fight this fire that you got going on that you almost forget like what you were doing it for in the first place. Yeah. Of like, I'm trying to just like get these projects done after I get off work and not be as tired, but also have a good time and like, stay creative and it snowballed on me very gradually i would say and i hit a point one of the points that i really hit was that night when we did the podcast because up until then i was like oh i got all this shit under control i'm straight like nobody's looking at me crazy like i'm still going to work i'm still getting my work done like i'm still coming home get my projects done mind you i'm holding on to projects for like months people are asking me about them and i'm just like oh yeah yeah, i'm i'm getting it done i'm getting it done like it's coming it's coming it's coming and like i'm stressing out when I, while i'm fucked up of like damn i'm kind of fucked up right now like i'm up but i don't want to fuck up the project at hand mm. i should just wait and like plan it out a little bit more and basically just procrastinate and bullshit so then podcast night comes around i'm thinking i'm doing it i'm like yo I'm able to be fucked up. They don't have any idea. I'm doing a podcast. I'm speaking coherently. Shit's straight. I come home, or I get back home next morning. I'm hearing, like, yo, you were wilding last night. Like, are you good? And I'm just like, I kind of check myself, and I'm like, nah, maybe I'm not. Maybe I should slow down. But that's where um, addiction low-key started to take form yeah. where like I took that moment and I was like alright I should stop and I would stop for like a day maybe two and I'd be like no I see you still good like you got it like you're fine you can take you can stop when you want to Yeah. day or two pass and I'd get fucked up again and then I'd like it got to a point where like I would struggle or like something I would be going throughout my day like not using anything and then like some fucked up shit would happen or like something that would just like put me in a bad mood and I'm like well, you tried, but like today just kind of 
like I would blame it on every I would blame everything else except for myself yeah. and be like oh so and so was like looked at you the wrong way so like if they're gonna look at you and think of you that way then like you might as well like just get fucked up and mm. like not think about it and so then I realized like another thing that kind of led me into it or let me like take it too far was me thinking like oh you know since I'm not accosting anybody or like I'm not doing anything that's harming anyone else. I'm fine because like my re- my relationships, I'm not calling anybody out of their name. I'm not begging people for money like yeah. I'm not doing anything that crazy. I don't I don't know if you know how that night went, you know, afterwards for us. Yeah. But I mean if it, if I could tell Feel it, free. Yeah, so basically I mean, when the podcast ep- ended, I was, you know, like exporting everything. I was still in the studio working, and I told Caden specifically, I was like, you know, go make sure these dudes get an Uber and don't, you know, dip out. Mm-hmm. So no, I do remember I drove home. Yeah, which was so. Yeah. But here's the thing: so in the back of my mind, like, I'm not, I'm not blaming Caden for anything, right? Right. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I should probably check on him and make sure he waits Yeah. until y'all get the Uber. Right. And then he comes back and I was like, yo, did they like, did they get in? And he was like, I mean, I watched them call it, you know, I was just hoping like mm-hmm. y'all actually took it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, these niggas did not take it. Nah. You know, so we got everything. We dipped out and he, Caden's like, let's go check for the car. So we go. And your car's gone. Yeah. So I'm just like, shit. And we're stressing, calling your phone over and over and over, not answering. Yeah. And it says on your on your location, the last place you were was on the 8. It's just stopped in the middle of the 8. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we're freaking out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling Kaden, okay, keep keep me updated. He go. He gets in his car. I get in my car. We're going home. He gets home. He's like, it still hasn't updated. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, okay, I'm picking you up. We go. I, I go pick him up. We start heading to your house. And then like five minutes away from your house, it updates. Mm-hmm. And it says you're home. Yeah. And I was just like, cool. And then we just turned around and went home. Bro, I'm so sorry. Like, I really. That whole thing is. That's definitely a big part of like what started what started the catalyst of yeah. like yo you gotta figure this shit out bro mm-hmm. cause like and that's the thing I'm saying where like I thought that this shit was only affecting me yeah. and I wasn't seeing the lens of like how it's affecting everybody else mm-hmm. and how me putting myself in danger is like a stress on others yeah. where I'm thinking just like oh like on occasion I'll get fucked up outside the house, but like I get home safe every time, but it's yeah. like, bro, it just takes that one time. Like, mm-hmm. and you don't even have to be fucked up. Tyler crashed the car cause he was like sleepy and shit. And I was thinking about that shit the other day of like, bro, that could have gone a completely yep. other way. So like every, ever since then, like I'm definitely, yeah. yeah like See, I'll sleep in my car if yeah. I have to. I think the most worrisome thing is that, like, not only has this, you know, has abuse or, like, just any drug use been normalized, but 
what's scary is the the fact that like the coping yeah and like what comes afterwards is right. so normalized like waking up with a hangover is just yeah you know it's expected you mm-hmm. know being depressed the next day after you you know go to a music festival and you're yeah, on a bunch yeah. of drugs is expected like yeah. it's just it's just a part of it right know? i had a conversation with uh my man john shout out to you he was one of the first people that i like really went in depth about all of this too and one really great thing that he told me that we kind of like had that epiphany aha moment about after i told him everything he was just like bro like i can't believe that he's like i'm just happy that you're back and he's like but the thing is like Mm -hmm. he's like i think it's wise for you to tell your story because we hear way too often that story of like i lost my friend to drugs they're dead like Mm -hmm. how could this have been prevented and he was like he's like how was it with you and i was like oh i definitely felt sort of the sting of like oh all of a sudden my friends aren't really hitting me up as much as Mm -hmm. they used to or like i'm seeing plans unfold and i'm being excluded or like i get around people and i'm like we're both playing that guessing game of like, do you know that I'm fucked up right now? Are you fucked up right now? Like, and having to have that weird wall and like tug of war where like, I feel like every hangout with a person is more of a test of like, what are you on right now, bro? And, um, he was saying to me, he was like, I think we need to have stop waiting for the dialogue of like, after someone dies, how we can prevent drug use and have the dialogue of like, you can lose someone to drugs while they're still alive. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like I was dealing with where like it started getting to a point where in my fucked up mind, I'm thinking like, all right, well, if y'all don't want to hang out with me and include me on shit, even though I'm not, I'm not mean to y'all when I'm fucked up, like then fuck it. Then like, I'm going to just hang out by myself. And that creates a dangerous cycle of like the more isolated i am the more fucked up i think i can get because i'm by myself and i was i was listening to this uh to this lecture today like this islamic lecture and the dude was talking about how like when something when something negative you know any any type of shit happens to us in our life will will tend to like immediately think you know being alone is the best thing for us and like that's an easy way to go down that hole you know 100 mm-hmm. like, rather you'd be you'd rather be you know you're it's better for you to be surrounded by people who would actually help you 100 percent crisis but that shit is hard our though. brains just go straight to isolation because here's the thing that i also found out and this is after like i had a heart to heart with some friends of mine when i was like i can get to the story of like how i finally was able to face reality and like clean myself up but there was a point where i was still using heavily and i wanted to just stop but i felt like i couldn't and it was a day that i had with one of the homies and i was like bro i've for the first time in like four months i've finally been sober for like a full 72 hours and he's just like yeah I don't know how to talk to you about that, but like we've all been so worried and that clicked in my mind of like, it's not that they don't care. It's that they have no idea. Like 
nobody's equipped to just be like, oh, yeah, here's our handbook on, like, drug awareness. Like, they give it to you in school, but, like, that shit isn't good enough most of the time. Or, like, the the message isn't, like, nobody, like, until you're really faced with it, nobody's able to, like, slap you in the face with it and be like, yo, this shit is serious. Pay attention. Because you always think, like, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to my friends until it does happen. And so it kind of made me realize, like, the importance of all that. And my friends were just like, bro, like, we've been worried about you. And, like, we know that you're not the same, but we don't know how to have that conversation. So, like, I figured out me just being open about, like, what I need and how I feel. It made them more receptive to, like, bringing me back in and, like, making sure that I was cool. And Do you think if they said something beforehand, it would have sparked something else? Like, it would have helped? The thing is, I'm a different kind of person where, like, I don't try to deny my demons or yeah. anything like that. Like, once Not you, everybody is. And exactly. So that's the hard part is, like, yeah, dude. on one side, people don't want to admit to what they're doing. On the other side, people don't want to call you out to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And when they try to, there's that miscommunication. Yeah. Of like, we're not calling you out because we hate you. We're calling you out because we're scared. Yeah. And then that person, it just, like, makes them retract even deeper of, like, oh, y'all, you're trying to throw rocks at my behavior, but, but what are you doing? And yeah. it's, like, bro, it's a best interest thing. It's not a – and, like, one of the things that was hard to really come to terms with – was like one of the homies was like bro it's like that snickers commercial like you're not yourself when you're yeah. it's like bro you're not yourself when you're on drugs and it's not in the funny or like good kind of way yeah. like some people yeah like you might have a good time once in a while but like all the time nope. which is what no was way. taking place is not the move mm-hmm. because people can't tell if they're dealing with you or like this this demon or like altered yeah individual which like there were times where like i would be on some different shit low-key or like i would think things that i probably wouldn't normally think when i'm sober so that's how i kind of am at this mind this headspace now where i'm just like yeah like when you're drunk when you're high that's really not you like when you're sober that's probably the real you but so like when people are like oh yeah the drunk me is the real me or (laughs) shit like that it's like no it's not bro like because you're not born drunk you're born sober and you're sober all the time like you might have thoughts or different like actions or thinking patterns when you're fucked up but that's not you so what were the next steps that you took then to Um, get where you are now man because if we're going to talk about this you need to let people know what worked Right. You know, for you, just in case it works for somebody else. And it's hard because, like, my personal experience is not perfectly tailored to someone else's. Like, what works for me and what I'm blessed to have been surrounded by, not everyone has this, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I'm so lucky to have, like, the people in my life, the circumstances in my life. Because, like, even though I'm on here saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I had a drug problem, I had a substance abuse problem, like, in no way, shape, or form was I ever, like, broke on the streets. Mm. Parents kicked me out. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. So, like, I'm fortunate that I even had, like, the foresight and the circumstance to know that, like, 
what I was doing needed to stop because some people never find that and that's yeah. terrifying or they like they do find that and they don't have that su- the right support system right. to guide them back to like society because like I'll say this a few different actually before I start that I'm gonna say another part of what pushed me towards substance abuse was um I lost my mentor last year, two days before my birthday. Uh, this was the person who gave me my first real job, um, helped me, and through that job, I was able to move out of my parents' house to live in the Bay Area. And like any time that I was back in town, she would let me work for her, doing anything that I can do to like make some money, and she would like just support me so much and i would always update her with what was going on and like just she was like she like bottom line she was my mentor she taught me about business like she taught me a lot about like real life and how to maneuver and like what it takes to be successful in the world and we always had like plans of like yo like i can't wait for you to meet so and so and like you're gonna be at my wedding and like come to my birthday and like meet my family and like we did dinner with like we would do holiday dinners together and like I would always just come in and check in on her and then over time like her health would just start like really degrading and she was always really tough so like she would just kind of rub like brush it off and be like no I'm fine I'm fine I'm going to the doctor like this that and the other I'm okay and like she was what she she was well off I'll say that like she wasn't I don't I don't know I had one look at her financial situation once because I used to have to make bank runs for her to help her pay her bills. And when I saw that ATM receipt, I was like, oh, you're fine. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I, and so that's what I'm saying of like my mentor, I wanted, wanted to be just like her in terms of like living and handling my finances. Me and her son were also like close, but her son she put him up for adoption when she had him because she didn't have the means to take care of him, but she stayed in contact with him throughout the years, but they're exactly alike. So like given that circumstance of giving him up for adoption, but to well off parents who were even more well off than she was and them being so alike, she was like very intimidating and he had the same attitude as her. So they would butt heads all the time. But I, hanging around out with her I learned how to swim like people who might get yelled at in terms of business or like take business personally I learned not to do that around her because like we had that type of relationship where like I could fuck something up she'll yell at me she'll cuss me out just like horrible boss type shit where like she'll give you the third degree if you fuck something up but if you do well like she'll treat you like all-star like just showing that like behavior begets reward of like if you're fucking something up why should i be nice and like coddle you and like give you put the bumpers on you when life is not going to be nice and put the bumpers on you if you're fucking up so like that really taught me how to keep my shit in order and like be a satisfied or like a satisfactory worker and manager so over time, I'm, like, seeing her health decline, and I'm just, like, 
I think I need to step in and like make sure she's getting the help she needs because she's telling me that she's fine and she's telling me she's going to these appointments, but then I always hear her like putting them off. And so last year, my birthday falls on uh, Tuesday and I see her a few days before and she seems okay, like minus her like health conditions. And, um, I see her a few days before my birthday and I'm like, yo, like me and my dad are having this party at our house. Like it's friends and family, you know, we have it every year. I would like for you to come and like, even for just a little bit, I know if you're not feeling well, it's okay. Like I'll drive you there. I'll drive you back. And she's like, yeah, I would love to like, I'll be there. I promise. So I'm like, okay, cool. And it's like the weekend after my birthday is when it's supposed to happen. So then she was like, yo, just come swing by the house though on your real birthday. And like, I'll give you a check. Just a nice little thing. Like she, she's like, you know, I love you and you help take care of me and everything. So I'm like, okay, for sure. So my birthday rolls around. Unfortunately, it's a Tuesday. Everybody has to go to work who I want to hang out with. Uh, I have to go to the DMV for like three hours because I got to renew my ID. And then after I got off the DMV, I was like, oh, I know Stacy, she'll be, uh, she'll be at home because she was already retired. Like she would just be at the house all day, like doing whatever she wants. So I call her, I don't get an answer. And I'm like, man, like. She's probably sleeping again. Like, it is what it is. And then it's like 2 o'clock. Call her again, and I'm like, still no answer. Like, damn. So then I go, and I swing by her house. And one thing about her was she had a sign up that said, do do not ring the doorbell. Do not knock on the door unless uh, you have an appointment. Because she was very private, and she also had big dogs that, like, with any commotion at the door, they would start barking and like fighting each other. And so I was like the one exception to that rule where like I knew the the code to her garage door. If I called her or shot her a text, like I could just come into the house and she would be fine as long as she knows I'm coming in. And so I go to the house. I start like looking around. All the windows are like shut. Uh, doors are locked. I can't see too far into the house through the front door, but like I would always kind of see her by the window and she wasn't in her usual spot by the window. So I was like, man, like she must like really be sleeping. It is what it is. So then I leave, uh, me and my girl at the time, she gets off work. I pick her up. We go to dinner, have a whole birthday thing. Uh, she buys me the shoes that I'm currently wearing on my feet that I will not disclose. (laughs) And we have a great night. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, that sucks. Like, I wanted to see Stacy on my birthday. She told me to swing by. I'll see her. I'll see her soon. It is what it is. Next morning, I wake up. I'm taking my girl to uh, back to her house. And I get a call. And it's uh, a mutual friend of mine and my mentors. And I'm just like, what's up, dude? Like, how's everything going? And he's like, I don't know how to explain this. And my heart just sank. And he basically tells me um, her housekeeper or her dog trainer went to her house to get her dogs. And when he went into the house, 
like hours before no 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 a couple of days before I showed up at the house meaning a couple of days just a day after I had invited to her to my birthday with my dad he found her just lying dead on the floor and just she was alone and I just remember hearing that and like everything just kind of paused and that was I finished the phone call and I was like kind of in disbelief like and I was just thinking like I should have gone inside like I should have made sure she was okay and one of my friends had to talk me down and be like bro like there was nothing you could do like she was already gone and so then I just go I tell my my girl I get in the car I'm driving her to work and then it just like I just like slam on the brakes I park the car and I just start like bawling my eyes out like hard I the hardest I've ever cried in my entire life and like I went through a period where like four of my friends uh all passed away in the same year and at none of their funerals or any of their hearing that like they had passed away did I cry because I was in such like a depressed mode that I would just like shut down and like not allow myself to feel sad about like what was going on so after getting out of that and realizing that like depression comes from when you allow you stop allowing yourself to feel things in this situ- particular situation especially since it was like so much closer to my heart i just broke down like on the side of the road for like 15 minutes just like wailing and just letting it all out and so dealing with that, um, I think for a long time, I didn't realize that like I was using as a means to kind of forget. Actually, I will say this. I was drinking, and it's kind of shitty to say, like I was drinking in her memory because like she, would, she could drink anybody under the table. That was, like, she was one of the toughest human beings I've ever seen in my life where, like, she could drink an entire wine box in a day to herself and, like, still be, still handle business. So I saw that and was like, oh, I can do that shit. Like, if, if Stacy can do it, like, I can do it too. And, like, that's how I'm going to keep her memory alive is, like, I can still handle business no matter what state I'm in. And it also helped me to, like, not have to deal with, the trauma of like the fallout of what happened like her son because one of the things that that also showed me she had people who would like kind of hang around but nobody like me who would just like come around just to help like she would offer me checks now and then and I'd even just like turn them down and be like Stacy like you're trying to pay me x amount of money to like go and get groceries for you like there's apps for this like you don't have to pay me anything like I'm just here for you and there even was a point where, like, she started to get untrusting of people who who were around her and why. And I helped her out one day, and she was like, she accused me. She was like, I know that you only come around because you need checks. And I was like, don't ever write me a fucking check ever again. Like, 
I appreciate it. Sometimes I will accept it, but like this is what taught me like this and my parents is what taught me like not to take handouts from people because like that moment right there, I was like, don't ever fucking help me again. Like I'm going to show you that like I hate I come around because I actually do love you and like you teach me more than you give me. Like that's the real check, I guess, at the end of the day. And so she like broke down and like started crying and was telling me like she never knows because she's always trying to help people, but she can't tell who's there for the money and like who's there for her. And the saddest shit that I saw after she died was her house still had to get cleaned out. Her dogs had to get, you know, put to whichever because like dog trainer took most of the dogs, but like he couldn't take them on. Like they were either going to end up in the pound or like they had to get adopted. I adopted one of her dogs. I still have them to this day. Um, and then as far as the house, she was low-key a hoarder. She, like, had a lot of shit. And, like, people would be around to help her clean, like, when she was alive, clearly because she would give out checks, like, when they would clean. But when she died, it was nobody but me and her son cleaning out that whole house out of everybody who was coming around, would post on her Facebook, would, like, call and, like, see what how she was doing and, like, just be little hangarounds and shit like that to the point where like her son pulled me aside and he was like, you see how it's only me and you here? And I was like, yeah, why? And he was like, everybody else who offered to help asked for something. They saw coats in her closet. They saw bags in her closet. They saw TVs in her house. And they asked me like, oh, well, since she's not really around, like, can I like grab some of this, grab some of that? He's like, I looked at all of them and I said, get the fuck out of my house because, like, I'm going to do this shit by myself. He's like, I didn't even ask you. Like, you offered. And he's like, anything that you want in this house, whatever you want, you can have it. And the thing about it was she had a car. It was a Mazda. It had, like, 15,000 miles on it. And she and I had talked. No, it wasn't a Mazda. It was a Lexus. It was a black Lexus, but the bumper had come off. And she's like, if you can fix the bumper on this, car's yours. She's like, that's all. Like, you don't got to pay me for it. As long as you can figure out, like, a bumper situation, get it running, you can have it. And I was like, yeah, like, I'll figure that out. I'll try to save up some money so, like, I can get it. Didn't save up enough money in time. But the last time that she spoke to me, she was like, I'm going to make arrangements so that you can just have the car in your name. And then you can just, like, fix it yourself and figure that shit out. Because she's like, I don't drive it. I don't need it. So it's fine. And I was like it's okay. I was like, I'll figure something out eventually. She passes away and I didn't want to go to her son and be like, yo, um, you know that Lexus that's in the garage? Yeah. Uh, she said she's going to give that to me. So like, what's up? I just, I let that go. And I was like, I don't want to put it like he's dealing with his mom. His mom's dead and they weren't on good terms. So like he didn't get a good last word with her. So like knowing that, I was just like, man, this possess like possessions and money and shit. Like, sure, she said that she was gonna have a check for me on my birthday. Like, that shit doesn't mean shit if I don't have my mentor with me. Like, so when he asked me, he was like, "Anything that you want in the house." Like, and I'm looking around the house and I'm seeing all this shit, and I'm just like looking at the walls. And I see this one picture of her, uh, in front of the business that I used to work for her for. And it's just her smiling. And I look at the picture and I'm just like, 
this is all that I want. And he just looks at me, and he's like, and it's yours. And we just got to work cleaning up the house, fixing all our shit up. And then we got dinner, talked about everything. And unfortunately, for some reason, uh, a proper burial was never, it never happened. So I didn't even get to see, like, her body for the last time and like say a proper goodbye so like that really weighed on me as well where like I would just continue there's a period of time where like she was a whiskey drinker whiskey and wine uh so I'd always just drink whiskey thinking of her and just like thinking to myself that I needed to be strong like her and being strong meant being able to, like, suppress your sorrows but still handle business. And so at first I thought I was doing a great job. And then um, clearly things start happening where people are starting to take notice. And I'm starting to show up late for work and my boss is starting to pull me aside and be like, yo, homie, like, I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing or what you think I'm running here, but I'm running a business. Like, I'm giving you leeway. I need you to tighten up. And me thinking, like, man, like, I'm still showing up and I'm still doing fine. Not realizing that, like, I'm really letting a lot of shit fall to the wayside and not being who I am. So, eventually, I hit a point where there's one night I went completely overboard to the point where I'm stumbling. Like, I can't stand without, like, falling to one side. And I'm feeling, like, symptoms of a stroke coming on where, like, my head, when I lay down, is just, like, swimming. Where, like, I can't, I'm starting not to feel sensation, like, in my limbs, my face, and my chest. Like, I can barely breathe. So, like, this night, I'm just like, oh, shit. I went way too far. And, like, when I would close my eyes, I would start to see, like, bright light and shit. Just, like, it's exactly how they describe it. It's at the end of a tunnel. And I'm looking at it. And, I'm like, my breath is just, like, slowing down and getting, like, way more labored. And I'm just like, you done did it this time. Like this is the last time you're going to close your eyes because tonight you're going to fucking die. And I just like start speaking in my head and I'm just like, please, like, please, please do not let this be it. Like I will, every time, everybody is probably, who's probably like been through this, hits this point. And it's like, I'll change, I'll do better, I'll fix myself. Just please don't let me go right now. Close my eyes, fall asleep. I wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then I just go right back to getting fucked up again for a few more weeks, just right back to the same shit. And I go through that feeling like a few more times where, and I'm just like, Oh, man, like, still not yet? 
I guess we'll be all right then. And then eventually I get to a point where like by some divine miracle, it wasn't until like at least six months in that I actually get physically ill. Like I would feel like a hangover or like depressed or like that just mental deficiency the next day. But finally, after months of damn near every day, like having more days being fucked up than being sober, I finally get sick where like I have a fever, chills, like I'm just debilitated in my bed. I can't eat. I'm drinking water. And like, I just feel it all finally catching up to me. And I'm sick for five days. And in that five days, that was the longest span that I had been sober in months. And after that five days, I get healthy again, or I feel better, and I'm like, holy shit, this is what it feels like to be sober again. So I start doing things that like really slowly bring me back to life. I start talking to my mom more, because like, for a long time, I was neglecting that relationship with my family of, like, I would come home, go straight to my room, get fucked up, go to sleep every night. And, uh, you know, a parent will notice that but not always know how to bring it up. And there's one night in particular that I come home and I'm, like, talking to my mom, like, mad fast. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, what's wrong? And she's like, you seem like you're on something. And I was like, no, like, I'm just in a good mood, you know, having a good time. I go to my room, and I'm just like, yeah, this shit's got to stop, bro. Like, your mom is asking you, like, are you high? You're not being slick about this at all anymore. So after the five days, I finally realized, like, yo, you got to really bring this show to a halt. Because your friends know, your mom has an idea, you're fucking up at work, you're damn near dying on your bed. You finally just got this last warning of like, yo, you're sick for five days. Your body is fighting an infection or like some issue for more than just a day. Like you, I damn near almost probably needed to go to the hospital, but I just like rested this shit off. And, um, I start going on walks with my mom and I watch the movie Beautiful Boy with Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet and watching that movie with my mom because I knew the content of the movie is a writer in Los Angeles who has a son who's struggling with substance abuse and their relationship just ends up getting strained due to the addiction and the entire time that I was doing stuff like I would hide it, but I was never, like, stealing money or, like, lying or, like, doing out-of-character, out-of-pocket shit. Which I also am thankful that I had the self-awareness to, like, never let my problem uh, beget more problems, especially around with the people around me and those who I loved. Because, like, I knew that this entire time, like, As long as I was hurting myself and nobody else, I felt fine. If I ever hurt anybody else, 
that would have been a bigger wake up call than like me finally just having to sit and face myself and be like, bro, you're not okay. So we watched the movie and my mom like obviously like suspects what's going on, but like we watch it together anyway. And like I hold her hand throughout it too, just like to comfort her and know that like I'm still there. Like her son is still there. And so after we watch the movie, she just looks to me and she goes, have you done any of the stuff that like he's done in that movie? And I look at her and I'm like, yeah, like I have. And she makes me list off like all the stuff that I was on and the things I was doing. And, uh, I just talk to her about everything and admit it and get it off my chest. And I start crying. And instead of being like, you're not my son, like my son would never do this. Like she just looks at me and she goes, anything that you need, I'm here for you. If you need someone to listen, if you need someone to go with you to meetings, if you need, feel like you need to go to rehab, like, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And that, I felt like, was damn near all I needed because to have that, to have your parent have your back through that is not something that every parent is equipped to do or, like, ever even expects. Nobody has a child and thinks in the back of their mind, yeah, my son might end up doing drugs. Like, maybe they do. Maybe they're like, my son or daughter, whoever, might end up smoking weed, probably going to drink a little bit. But nobody is like, yo, my kid's going to go through it and try to hide it from me for months and is going to be a completely different human being in my face and not have the wherewithal to, like, let alone, like, I'm just thankful that my mom was nice to me and, like, able to listen, let alone just, like, have the courage to accept that and like check in on me because now like we'll we'll have conversations and she'll text me and be like what are you doing for your self-care like how are you doing as far as like staying sober and like active and honestly that's part of what this studio kind of came about with because once I started to get sober again I started working out started going on walks getting close with my family again getting close with my friends re-entering society in a way that like I started to get that breath of fresh air of like damn this is what real life is like again and I forgot how tight this shit is and really with the help of like my community and my friends like I could have come back and people could have been like no nigga like you are on some other shit so like we need to kind of keep our distance from you and I feel like part of it is like me not accosting anyone or like fucking up my relationships while I was fucking up fucked up definitely helped for people to kind of be like bro we're glad you're back like come come back in on me but um honestly it was and I know I I sent you a message about this. I sent you and Casey a message about this. Yeah. Was uh the jackets that you guys commissioned me to make damn near a year ago that I put off for months because I was fucked up 
and just like the funny thing is I started out doing that because I was like, oh, like I'll have more time. I'll have more energy to like get shit done only to end up putting it off for months. Uh, finally circling back around and you guys always being like, yo, it's cool. It's cool. Like take your time. As long as it's done right, it's cool. It's cool. Instead of like sweating me and being like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, which now that's how I would want things to operate. Like press me and be like, Hey bro, like we had a deadline, respect the deadline. Whereas then y'all were just like, it's cool, bro. Like we're not pressed to like make that happen. And at that time, I would have reacted negatively if like y'all had pressed me now. Like I expect that. And, um, finally getting back to being sober or like off drugs. I finally sat down and was like, well, I still got to do these jackets. I'm damn near might as well. And like the crazy thing is in that time that I was like fucked up, I was trying to work on things or thinking about working on things. I don't have shit to show for that time. I don't have a song. I don't have a piece of clothing, nothing that like Mm -hmm. I can be like, yo, at least I made this stuff. Like I was fucked up, but at least I did this. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not a beat, not a damn bar that like I could come up with or think of that like I can show for that time which is crazy to me. So finally me sober, my parents went out of town and I just like moved all my sewing shit to my living room. And I completed you guys' jackets or the majority of them. I still got to do the buttonholes, but mm-hmm. I finished those in two days. Just sat down, focused, grinded on that shit, made sure and did it right. Um, And in that process, it reminded me how much I loved sewing again. And I was just, like, so proud of, like, what I had done and the fact that, like, I wasn't fucked up. And I was like, man, remember how you used to, like, do shit (laughs) and, like, not be fucked up all the time? And, like, you could do shit actually pretty well? Like, do you realize that that's free? Like, so it was just one of those things of, like, damn, what the fuck am I doing? And that, mm-hmm. that was the one that really like slapped me in the face and yeah. like brought me back. It's like when I texted y'all and was like, yo, this project saved my life. Like I'm not playing around. Like, because there was a point where like up before that I would go a few days, be sober again, but still feel like, damn, I don't got shit to do. Might as well get fucked up then. Fuck it. Yeah. So now like since getting your guys's jackets, uh, put together, making more clothes of my own. Thank God, like finding this studio space and like having something to be responsible for. Like those are all things that like really brought me back to where I need to be. Yeah. The reality is a lot of people go through this shit, bro. A lot of people, like, like, I can't even begin, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, like, I I kind of always say it to you, like, 
like I've been through a lot of shit, but no, I really talk about it. No, I know. You know, and you know what? It's like, and like even now, I don't think I'm you know ready to really talk about it, right? Type shit. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like mm-hmm. some people are more ready than others, yeah. and either way is fine. Like I, there's even more shit outside of this that like I've also never told people but yeah. like there's certain things that I see or have gone through and I'm like this is an experience that I can share because I know it'll help someone else yeah. whereas this other experience that could also help someone else I'm not ready to share mm-hmm. because I'm not I'm still working through it yeah. whereas with this one I feel like I've done my work and I've recaptured my light Mm-hmm. and I know actually when I first was thinking about doing this cause I know we talked we've or me and Casey I think talked about it more of like at first I wanted y'all to throw away the podcast episode yeah. the cold juice one I was like don't ever and I knew that like y'all wouldn't release it but I was like damn like if they do or if they did, it would be high-key embarrassing. I know that. And I know at first I was going back and forth on it where I was like, I wouldn't want them to release that because, like, I want to seem perfect and polished and, like, put together and, like, that shit could be used against me. But then I thought about uh, Charlemagne the God. He says this thing where, like, the truth will set you free, basically. And I mean, a lot of people say that, but, like, he said it in a way of, like, if you're just honest with like what has gone on with you and what's happened, like people can't use use your narrative to like assassinate you. And so not even that anybody would have found out this information and been been like, this nigga Kieran on drugs. Like nobody would have done that, but to be able to like step out in front of it and use that experience as like something that a tool that can mm-hmm. help somebody else who yeah. might have been going through this. Or like people see me and think of me as one way, but they don't know like exactly everything that I'm going through. Yeah. Like that can be something that helps somebody else who I either do or do not know. Mm-hmm. So that really outweighed me being like, I need to keep this to myself, not to like shame my family or yeah. my friends. I was like, you know what? I could keep this to myself, but if this can do any service to even just one person, then it's done its job. And for a while I was thinking to myself and I was like, but this also might affect like somebody who might want to work with me. And then I also just thought, I was like, you know what? If that does affect them, then that's not the person that I need to be working with. Because if they can't understand that, like, yo, you can go through a lot and then still bounce back hard which I have like six months ago, I was not doing what I'm doing now. I was doing the complete opposite. I was bullshitting. And now like I'm a partner for a creative studio on one of the best locations in San Diego. And I have Mm -hmm. projects lined up for like the next few months. People don't think that like you can change your ways that easily, but I will say in a way, it was easy for me once it like slapped me in the face of like, bro, 
you need to remember mm-hmm. what you can really do. And now that I've been through like that hole, like I'm hitting everything like yeah. 10 times harder. I'm just like, bro, I'm lucky to be here in my position yeah. and be doing what I'm doing and have the opportunities that I'm able to create for myself. Like, why would I ever lose that again? I'm just glad we don't have to scrap the whole episode and <laughs> you got a chance to redeem yourself. You yeah. Know? And so, uh-huh. and so with that, oh man, I don't know if you're ready for it, What are we doing? but you got to redeem yourself on that freestyle, bro. All right. <laughs> Let's hear it. All right. You ready? Get it. Another day, another dollar, another dream. But seems like every week, another Radio Raheem. R.I.P. George Floyd. Brother couldn't even breathe. Police want me dead or in jail. And I know this shit's weak because they see the power that I got in my eyes. They ain't even really got to see through all of the disguises. I know that these racists is always in the positions to block me from winning, but I do it regardless. I ain't even getting started. I ain't got out the gates, but I know it's a lot of niggas who is snaking. They hate. They want to see me fall out of my position. They ain't tricking me and for nothing, my nigga. I'm a magician. I make it happen. I could do this shit with or without the top hat. I could keep it formal or I could do it street scrap. I could throw the hands with the best of them, shake hands with the businessmen. I don't even really got to be pretending I'm not anything different from what you are, my nigga, because at the end of the day, I just do it way different. I got to put my signature on with no pen and I just don't even have to pretend because all these other niggas want to be friends and I just want to make amends and bring everybody in. I don't even need a beat to speak. All this other shit's weak. They want to be snapping their fingers and doing their jigs, but I ain't even really into all of that shit. I mean, I like it. I do, but I need something realer. All these styles and I don't got to steal. I don't got to be a stealer. I ain't from Pittsburgh. I ain't doing the Khalifa. I ain't smoking no weed. I don't really need the reefer. I could do this shit sober in my mind. Last time I was out of it, but now I'm fine. So it it is what it is, my nigga. You go take a few steps back, two few steps back, but you come back way bigger. It is what it is. You know, I've been to the brink and back. All these niggas want to look at me and be like, oh, bro, might have been on crack. I don't even really got to pay attention to none of that because I know at the end of the day, shit is not facts. I'm back to where I'm at and I got my mind right. So you need to get yours too or get the fuck out of my sight. Say that, bro. Caramel. Term used to describe black woman's skin. No other meaning known. Children. The only justification for policy. Always say, our children. The childless have no interest in improving society. Chinese. Wonder what they're thinking. Chocolate. Term used to describe black women's skin. No other meaning known. Christianity. Peace on earth. Clarification. Reversal. Coal. Clean. Coffee. Declare that it is intolerable at Starbucks. Buy it at Starbucks. Community. Preceded by black. White people, lacking community, must make do with property. Crime. 
illegal activities involving smaller amounts of money. Crisis. Mention that it is composed of the Chinese characters for opportunity and danger. Diversity. Obviously desirable, within limits. Mention your service in the Peace Corps. Known and strange things. Teju Cole. Your day. What? Come on. What? What? Give me the fortune, keep the fame, said my man Lewis I agreed, know what he mean, because we live the truest lie I asked him why we follow the law of the bluest eye He looked at me, he thought about it, was like I'm clueless Why? The question was rhetorical, the answer was horrible Our morals are out of place, it got our lives full of sorrow And so tomorrow coming later than usual Waiting on someone to pity us While we find the beauty in the hideous They say money's the root of all evil, but I can't tell, you know what I mean Pesos, Frank Shens, carry shells, dollar bills Or is it the mind state that's ill, creating crime rates to Fill the new prisons they build Over money and religion There's more blood that spills The wounds of slaves And cotton fields that never heal What's the deal? A lot of cats who buy records Are straight broke But my language universal They be reciting my quotes While R&B singers hit bad notes We rock the boat of thought That my man Lewis Statements just provoke Caught up in conversations Of our personal worth Brought up through endangered species Status on the planet Earth Survival tactics means Busting gaps to prove you hard Your firearms are too short To box with God Without faith All of that is illusion Raise my son, no vindication of manhood necessary Not strong, only aggressive Not free, we only licensed Not compassionate, only polite Now who the nicest? Not good, but we'll behave Chasing after death so we can call ourselves brave Still living like mental slaves Hiding like thieves in the night from life Illusions of oasis making you look twice Hiding like thieves in the night from life Illusions of oasis making you look yeah. twice I'm sure that everybody out listening agree That everything you see ain't really how it be A lot of jokers out running in place Chasing the style Be a lot going on beneath the empty smile Most cats in my area be loving the hysteria Synthesized surface conceals the interior America Land the opportunity Mirages and camouflages More than usually Speaking loudly saying nothing You confusing me You losing me Your game is twisted Want me enlisted And you Usury. Foolishly, most men join the ranks cluelessly, but foolishly accept the deception, believe the perception. Reflection rarely seen across the surface of the looking glass, walking the street, wondering who they be looking past, looking gas with them imported designer shades on, stars shine bright, but the light rarely stays on. Same song, just remix, different arrangement. Put you on the yacht, but they won't call it a slave ship. Strangeness, you don't control this, you barely hold this. Screaming brand new, when they just sanitize the old shit, supposes just another clever Jedi mind trick. That they've been running across stars through all the time What I find is distressing There's never no in-between We either niggas or kings We either bitches or queens The deadly ritual scenes of mirth and the perverse Full of short attention spans Short tempers and short skirts Long viral automatics released in short bursts The length of black life is treated with short worth Get yours first Them other niggas secondary That type of illin' that be filling up the cemetery This life is temporary But the soul is eternal Separate the real from the lie Let me learn you're not sure I'm only aggressive Cause the power ain't directed That's why we are subjected To the will of the oppressive Not free We only license Not lie We just exciting Cause the captives Own the masters To what we writing Not compassionate Only polite We well trained Our sincerity's rehearsed The stage It's just a game Not good But we'll behave Cause the cameras survey Most of the things That we think Do the same We chasing after depth Just to call ourselves brave But every day Next man Meet with the grave Damn, if any fan recall my legacy, I'm trying to live life in the sight of God's memory like that, y'all. Uh, a lot of people understand the true criterion of things. You can't just accept the appearance. 
had to get the joke at Not strong, only aggressive, not free. We only license, not compassionate, only polite. Not who the nicest, not good, but well behaved. Chasing out the death so we could call ourselves brave. Still living like mental slaves. Hiding like thieves in the night from life. Illusions of oasis making you look twice. Hiding like thieves in the night from life. Illusions of oasis making you look twice. Hiding like thieves in the night from life. Illusions of oasis making you look twice. Hiding like thieves in the night from life. Illusions of oasis making you look twice. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. Yo, fake. Stop hiding, stop hiding, cause ain't no hiding face Stop hiding, stop hiding, stop hiding your face Stop hiding, stop hiding, cause ain't no hiding face Lit with cheap colored lights, a basement den With rows of chairs and tables on each side And all about young dark-skinned women and men, drinking and smoking, merry, vacant-eyed. A negro band that scarcely seems awake drones out half-heartedly a lazy tune, while quick and willing boys their orders take and hurry to and from the near saloon. Then suddenly a happy, lilting note is struck, the walk and hop and trot begin under the smoke upon foul air afloat around the room the laughing puppets spin to sound of fiddle drum and clarinet dancing in a world of shadows to forget negro dancers claude mckay Didn't think it was possible Grey skies, horrible Rage roaring to the beat of the drum I'm ready to run, he's volatile and audible Probabilities feeble, we the people expect an outcome 
His heart's numb, spread love, replace hate. We will overcome, so move faster. Please tell him, move faster. Times come to fight back, forecast disaster. The minds of ass pass to paths. You move past the negativity, pacifist, the way of my God. Yes, I'm one with Islam, no terror here, there's no harm. Anti-meat ain't in the streets, and I'm just trying to stay calm, because I know damn well they coming for me, flagging alarm, yo. And when the wind starts to blow, come say hello. I feel like now is the rest of our lives forevermore. That shit's depressing knowing that I'll have nowhere to go. See, this my home. F you, nigga, and your toupee by the blow away. This was a place we could say, yo, if you want it, you can get it or put on layaway. But today, please comprehend what I say. This evil's been real. Mass appeals pushing doomsday in a real way. Move back. It's a fact, no disrespect in that I lack I'm on a sit back, chillax, pesos and that Peace and love for we contract It's from within, I'm privileged to be an introspect Div, sapien, being comprised of complexities Don't care for your pity, I've just got what is coming to me Stuck niggas, scared mamas, no empathy That's the life we live in, it's been a wow, unfortunately But if you wanna feel free, rock to the beat don't be afraid to be yourself, cause these are our streets. Just look around at the realities, they can't compete. And understand the power of this positivity. Just keep dancing, you can feel the music in your feet. Appreciate the beauty, homie, just make sure you keep it G. I might just go and switch this up, just make it about me. Because I'm over talking about this negativity. It's B. is white and they are black white people hold the power which means that they are superior to blacks intrinsically that is god decreed it so and the world has innumerable ways of making this difference known and felt and feared long before the negro child perceives this difference and even longer before he understands it he has begun to react to it he has begun to be controlled by it. Every effort made by the child's elders to prepare him for a fate from which they cannot protect him causes him secretly, in terror, to begin to await, without knowing that he is doing so, his mysterious and inexorable punishment. He must be good, not only in order to please his parents, and not only to avoid being punished by them, Behind their authority stands another, nameless and impersonal, infinitely harder to please and bottomlessly cruel. And this filters into the child's consciousness 
through his parents' tone of voice as he is being exhorted, punished, or loved, and the sudden, uncontrollable note of fear heard in his mother's or his father's voice when he has strayed beyond some particular boundary. He does not know what the boundary is, and he can get no explanation of it, which is frightening enough. But the fear he hears in the voices of his elders is more frightening still. The fear that I heard in my father's voice, for example, when he realized that I really believed I could do anything a white boy could do, and had every intention of proving it, was not at all like the fear I heard when one of us was ill, or had fallen down the stairs, or strayed too far from the house. It was another fear, a fear that the child, in challenging the white world's assumptions, was putting himself in the path of destruction. The Fire Next Time, James Baldwin Despite everything, no one can dictate who you are to other people. Prince. I guess that quote has been reiterated multiple times throughout this episode, right? Definitely. I guess in a way, uh, how could you how could you put together like like words of advice, you know, based on everything we've talked about through this quote for people just to leave with, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely that you kind of got to get out. Honestly, I'll say this. I know people have discussed what I've gone through amongst themselves without me being present for it. And I feel like once you know what you're trying to say and what your story is, you controlling your narrative is a very important thing to do for yourself because people could have taken this information and I'm blessed that like this didn't get out to anybody who would like use it against me maliciously because I know that is the case for certain people and those circumstances can really hinder someone to where they're trying to get themselves to Mm -hmm. but it's like I said my only concern with it now like People can say what they want about me. And I've been telling a lot of people, even like after it's gone on, like anybody who came up to me and like has heard a rumor or anything or like heard about what I've gone through, they don't know why I've been going going through it, what exactly I've been going through. Mm -hmm. And when they see me now, they'll see that I'm way moving way different i think i think after hearing all of this yeah like there's no argument that you were not fully accountable for all of that like you were going through a lot Mm -hmm. you know and that's the thing is like people i will say i take full responsibility and accountability and that's one thing that i've learned in the last two weeks Mm -hmm. that have been like really has been my word is accountability Mm. and learning how to take ownership of my actions and how they affect others and learning how to like really just man up and become who I need to be as opposed to like who I wanted to be before. Yeah. 
because that's a very there's a very distinct difference between the two when mm-hmm. it comes to people. Yeah. So, like I said, the rumor mill has never been something that I get concerned about. I'll listen to like whatever somebody has to say about me or like find it out eventually, and it'll be funny to me. But as far as like what I am concerned with now is like my dealings with my business. I don't want anything that I've done to detract from what I can do now. Mm -hmm. I think some good advice for myself would be to face your own demons and acknowledge them before people create them for you. 100%. And I think that I was blessed to be able to do that rather than... There are, there are, like you said, there's people who would, you know, entertain those rumors, Mm -hmm. but there's people who will take the rumors and try to understand, like, what's going on behind it, you know, and, you know, come to you with support and advice. Yeah. You know. And you know what's crazy? I don't know if a lot of people know about this dude. Hmm. Uh, I'll have to Google his name, but... He's the CEO of the company My Pillow, which is really just like comfort throw pillows. Okay. And basically My Pillow became like a super successful like kids pillows company kind of like on some like snuggy shit low key yeah. or like it's just an easy household good that kind of took off. Um in his bio for his instagram he has a like god-fearing man ceo of my pillow former crack addict wow yeah so it's stuff like that that i saw where i'm just like damn like and like also the conversation that i had to john shout out words played um you have to tell these things low-key because you know i saw that and it served as a barometer of like, yo, like seeing the, the CEO of my pillow, uh, watching Beautiful Boy, hearing about the stories of Nick and David Chef, reading Nick Chef's book Tweak, which like describes his journey with like substance abuse. And I'm mm-hmm. lucky that like my situation, I was able to like become recognizant within six, to, like eight, six Definitely. to eight months. Like Nick, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the CEO of my pillow, like. That's a struggle that lasts for years, if not mm-hmm. your lifetime. Like, I still have to be like watchful of over my eye and be like, yo, like, make sure that even if you go through things, like, don't throw yourself overboard like that again. Yeah. Like, learn how to process it and deal with it, like, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And, like, make sure that you ask for, like, what you need from those around you. And if you can't get that, find it within yourself, mm-hmm. like, regardless of they, whether they can give it to you or not. So, yeah, just, like, where I'm at now, I know what it feels like to fall off, and I just never want to go back there again. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, bro. Thank you for having me. Rider on the Run is produced by design visionary Casey Naughton. Sound design credits go to multimedia artist and producer, Caden Pasqua. Our theme music is composed by James Sudd, genius and bassist of the Berkeley band Mint Julep.
If you enjoyed the podcast, have questions, guest suggestions, or topics that you want to hear me discuss with my artist friends, please review the podcast and leave a comment. And if you're a creative yourself, please leave your social media at so people and I can find you. Maybe you could even be our next guest. Thank you for listening to Rider on the Run with me, Bilal Muhammad. And we out.